Time for... Here we go, here we go, here we go. Kickoff. With Boomer Esiason and Mike Valenti. Presented nationally by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it. And Lowe's. Lowe's knows home improvement. All right, welcome in. Week two, Boomer, in a lovely, a heartier piece of fall attire today. Look at that shirt. Gorgeous. Welcome. How are you, buddy? You know what? I'm doing well. I cannot believe the amount of stories that came out of week one. Now, normally, there are a lot of stories. Uh, but the fact that Aaron Rodgers went down four four plays into game one for the Jets is just remarkable. And then, of course, watching the Philadelphia Eagles not play well in two weeks, but yet get off to a 2-0 start. Uh, they are on their, I believe they're on their way, I don't know, to the Super Bowl, I think. Uh, but I would think that maybe Dallas and San Francisco will have something to say about that. Hold that thought because it's going to lead the rundown. Eddie, hit it. The NFL Rundown. All right, Boomer, let's start with the Thursday night game. And for me, I need to know what's worse. The Vikings front seven or the Eagles back seven? Uh, Eagles decided we're going to run it 50 times for almost 300 yards. Vikings can't protect the soul, uh, and, and yet Cousins is able to throw for damn near 400 yards. Take me through. I mean, what's the bigger problem here? Well, I think any time a defense, uh, you know, it doesn't show up again, uh, and, uh, you know, that's a huge problem. And I think both the Eagles and the Vikings have a problem in that area. And the Eagles, one of the reasons why they were so good last year is because of how much pressure they were able to put on other quarterbacks uh, that they were playing against. Remember, they were leading the league in sacks last year. That's not going to be the case yeah. this year. I think there are going to be a few other teams that will be ahead of them. But uh, their defense is completely different. They lost some players. Uh, they had to pay Jalen Hurts, and this is what happens. And, you know, watching them the first two weeks, they have not played great. Jalen Hurts has not really gotten into the swing of things yet. I think A.J. Brown showed some frustration last night. Yeah, I, I still think they're a really good football team. As far as the Vikings are concerned, they're not going to the playoffs. And maybe Kirk Cousins ends up throwing for 5,500 yards and 60 touchdowns, but that's not going to be good enough because their defense is not good enough. No, and I never understood their plan. We talked about it. I mean, Dalvin Cook exits, and Madison is fine enough as a backup, but you lose all explosiveness there. They, they take a luxury pick in the first round with another receiver. They can't block a soul. They can't stop the run. I, I We thought they were fraudulent last year. No, they're not making the playoffs. Well, I will say this, though. They also have injuries along that front line. Um, and I think, you know, is this the last year that uh, Cousins is going to be in Minnesota? The amazing yes. thing to me, and I was telling my partner in, in New York, uh, Greg Giannotti, who is a Vikings fan, Watching that quarterback documentary and everything that Kirk Cousins puts himself through to make sure that he can play each and every week and then goes out there and throws for 364 yards, four touchdowns. Now, of course, there's a fumble in there, but it's a sack fumble. I, I mean, it's, it's remarkable the numbers he puts up. Yeah, and someone's going to want him. But I think Minnesota's going to realize real quick it's time to rebuild. Um, let's go to the state of New York football, which I think could be summed up with a line from the fabulous song out of the lego movie everything is awesome everything's cool when you're part of a team let's start with the jets you you lived it you're you're at you're at ground zero in new york city four plays my jaw hit the floor i couldn't believe what was happening rogers done for the year so not only the reaction in new york boomer but are there any outs for the jets at the position or is this really zach wilson's show this is Zach Wilson's show right now. I mean, there's not much you can do. You know, things go foobar in a hurry in the NFL, and the NFL is not a very 
nice place uh, to, to play a, or to throw a pity party because nobody really cares. All they care about is their own team. And, you know, this was uh, for all of us who were hoping that Aaron was going to have success here. Uh, I mean, it was a gut punch. I felt sick to my stomach watching it. The moment he went back down on the ground, I knew it was his Achilles. Um, it, just because that's the reaction that most players have. They realize that there's no, they have no power in their foot. They can't, they can't walk on it. And uh, he also had the trembling in the, the calf as the thing was rupturing in, you know, right below the calf. So uh, it was just awful. It's an awful feeling. But, you know, the amazing thing, just in total jet fashion, they actually win the game and they play well. And their defense outplays one of the best quarterbacks in football who's loose with the football again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Allen basically said after the game, you know, it's like a reoccurring nightmare from last year. It was almost the same thing where he just does these things on the field that make no sense. Yeah, I'm tired of it. Yeah, and Sean McDermott is tired of it too, by the way. I t- And listen, he's a hell of a player. Don't take this that I think he's bad. What I'm saying is, at a certain point, you have to be held accountable. This is now, what, 35 games? He's had 37 turnovers? I don't care how fun you are, what a nice guy you are. Boomer, there's got to be some heat. This has to stop. The turnovers are absurd. Well, this is also the loss of Brian Dayball. You know, this is uh, the Brian Dayball impressed on Daniel Jones, although Daniel Jones made a boneheaded play against uh, <laughs> Dallas on Sunday night. Um, he's trying to get those boneheaded plays, you know, out of the game where, you know, you're out there, you're running around, you're loose, and you're just taking shots down the field. That's a dangerous way to play. And you can see Sean McDermott going, play smart, play smart. He's pointing to his head. And uh, so I could tell that the frustration is there. I know uh, Josh is very aware of what's going on. I'm not sure why he's doing what he's doing. I just think that he has completely lost a sense of how important it is to not give the ball away and make these bonehead plays and where he makes them in the game where he makes them and how it ultimately has this adverse effect on his team. Now, they were a great team last year. They're going to be a good team this year. But when you get into the playoffs or you get into one of these tight games and you throw one up for for grabs, you know, this is how you lose games in the NFL. So he's got to clean it up, and he's got to clean it up fast if they want to make it to the Super Bowl. Two notes. One is a question direct for you. You know, like as I'm watching the game and I'm going, dude, you got to know you're playing Zach Wilson, right? Aaron's done. You have to know who your opponent is, and if you don't have your A game, play it safe. Is that even a realistic thing that goes through your mind when you're playing like, hey, the guy across from me is a bum. I can kind of play it a little safer today, or is that just fan speak? So I think it's a little bit of fan speak. I think the player still wants to play at a high level. I I remember a game, believe it or not, I was the Jet quarterback in 93. We were getting ready to play the Cincinnati Bengals, who I had just been traded from, and I wanted to go into that game, and I wanted to throw for like 400 yards. You know, I was like, come on, I want to show them that I can still play. You know, they traded me and all this other stuff. And my coach at the time, uh, Bruce Coslow, had played it safe because we, he knew that we had the better team. And my, my statistics in that game were completely pedestrian. We ran the ball uh, predominantly maybe 60 65% in that game. We, we won the game, but it didn't feel like we won because mm. we were playing careful. I think playing careful is one thing. Playing smart's another. Uh, you still got to be the player that you are. You got to be the offense that you are. But you got to be you got to be really smart about you know throwing the ball into double coverage or just arbitrarily throwing up a, a hail mary for no reason, and then having the other team come down with it. So I I think this is just you're not going to be aware of it, but you got to be aware of when you can and when you can't make plays like Josh was trying to make on uh, Monday night. 
Uh, updated Vegas odds. Miami now your favorite in the East. I'm not sure I buy that, but I'll throw it to you. Plus 140, Buffalo plus 150, everybody else way back. Any thought to Miami winning this division now, or are we staying with Buffalo? I wasn't impressed by their defense against the Chargers, but I yeah. boy, that offense. And the thing that I love about Tua, and this is where you know Tua has figured it out. Uh, and we saw this last year before he got hurt, and then when he came back, we saw it again, and then he got hurt again, and obviously didn't play in the playoffs. But his anticipation on these throws, Mike. It's incredible. It is. And he throws probably the most catchable ball in the NFL, meaning that he's not ripping it and throwing it through people, that his receivers, you know, are catching everything. And everything is catchable. Very, very rarely do you see a drop pass in a Miami Dolphin game when Tua is playing at the level that he's playing at. No, it's like like if you're tailgating and you're just playing pitch and catch in a parking lot. The ball just comes in nice and easy. Nobody's trying to be a gym class hero. And yet, he's doing this in the NFL. I mean, he is anticipating guys open, throwing them open. And when you got Waddle, Hill, Boomer, he was throwing to guys I'd never heard of. You know, Pete Forsythe or whatever his name. You're like, who? Yeah. It's unbelievable. But it's fun. But that's the way the position's supposed to be played. You know, it's not supposed to be helter-skelter. And, you know, he can run a little bit. He doesn't want to run. He He wants to stand in the pocket. He wants to deliver the ball on time. And his accuracy is uncanny. And I know it looks different because he throws left-handed. And I know last year somebody did a reverse on him. So where you saw him throwing it right-handed, it looked normal. Yeah. But his ball, and I'm going to say, I'm not saying he reminds me of the player. I'm saying his 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 ball reminds me of the way this player used to throw. And that is Joe Montana. May, Joe Montana may have thrown the most catchable ball in the history of the NFL. And I think that this guy is just, he's like right there in terms of throwing a catchable ball, accurate, soft, uh, and he's not breaking anybody's fingernails, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Giants. What? Um, Boomer, I, I mean, obviously, I thought they were regression candidates. I thought, all right, maybe they'll win seven or eight this year. They did not look ready to play. I need your take on this because that was jaw-dropping. Well, it's one game. That's what I will say. There's 16 more to play, uh, and I'm sure that it's been a very long practice, and I'm sure that a week of practice, and I'm sure that Brian Dayball is probably not very nice to be around this week after that embarrassment. And it is an embarrassment for the fan base because the fan base has high hopes for this team that overachieved last year, and this was the Dallas Cowboys. And you finally had them in your building in prime time, and you haven't been able to beat them. Uh, Dak Prescott basically owns the the Giants the way that Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. Now Jordan Love owns the Bears, it looks like. Uh, but uh, it was a no-show performance. Both offensive and defensive lines just got l- hammered. I mean, just run through, steamrolled, you name it. And anytime you get two return touchdowns the way that the Cowboys did early on in this game, uh, basically it was a runaway from that point on. And it looked to me... Like, Evan Neal was intimidated. Uh, Daniel Jones was running for his life. It's not at the feet of Daniel Jones, by the way. No, he, the line didn't have a chance. I, it might be time to move Neal to guard. I, I don't want to sound like a typical radio host, but this this kid's confidence is shot at right tackle. His feet are terrible. Do you move him to guard? It's, that's where you can protect him, and he's big enough that if you put him in there, uh, you know, it may take a little bit of a transition period for him to be effective, but you might have to do that. You remember that? I think they did that with Leonard Davis. I think he was drafted as a tackle. You remember the big uh, offensive lineman for both the, yeah. uh, the Cowboys and the Cardinals, Cardinals. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, Texas. And I think they moved him into, tack, uh, into guard because he had the same problems or similar problems, if in fact that was the guy that I'm thinking of, that Evan Neal has right now. Like the, the, For whatever reason, he has a hard time with the speed rusher outside 
that is able to get his, you know, his inside shoulder down. He just, for some reason, cannot get his hands on him. And uh, maybe maybe a, gu- a move to guard would be better off for him and would be a better protection situation because the interior of that giant offensive line, Glowinski, may have had the worst grade mm-hmm. of any offensive lineman yeah. in week one of the NFL. I want to ask you about the Cowboys quickly. Tough to take a lot out of that game when one team is so bad. Uh, Eagles have not played well. Dallas put up arguably the best performance of week one, maybe behind the Niners. Where, where are you at with the Cowboys, though? I, I'm, I'm, I'm big on them now because if you watch their defense on the sideline of NFL films at halftime, they're like, they're quitting, let's go after them. And you can tell yeah. that there is an enormous amount of uh, confidence on that defense. It reminds me, I'm just trying to think of some of the great defenses that I played against. The Philadelphia Eagles when Reggie White was there. Uh, of course, the 85 Bears. I'm not saying that they're all akin to that, but their attitude seems to be very, very cocky, very arrogant, and extremely confident. And that's how I would want my defense on my team to be because oh. they're going to force they're going to force turnovers and they're going to make it easy on Dak Prescott in that offense. I want to give you a player I'm worried about. And I was just watching some film study and film breakdowns, and I watched a lot of the game. Justin Fields, Bo- Boomer. I mean, we're talking multiple people open on multiple plays, and he's not cutting it loose, which means he's not seeing it. And he's a fabulous runner, but we already talked about him taking sacks. I mean, where are you at with Justin Fields? That was a brutal debut. That is. And uh, out of all the players this week under pressure point status, he's right there at the top because they basically tried to rebuild around him. They saw the athleticism. They saw some of the great plays last year. But it is about processing, and this is where Tua Tungabailoa stands out amongst these young quarterbacks because he is standing back there, and he's cutting it loose before the guys are even in their break. So he is seeing it, he's reading it, he's processing it. And Justin Fields, at least in game one against the Packers, did not process it quick. He's like a touch behind for whatever reason, yeah. and his accuracy is off. And then what happens if he feels like he is not in the midst of a good game and he's losing a little bit of confidence in his throwing? He then tends to break the pocket early, and he starts running around again. And you know who did that also in the second half of their game? Russell Wilson did that again. Awesome. He looked. He reverted back to the Russell Wilson we saw last year in the second half of the game this week. You know, the first half was good. He broke the pocket, threw a couple touchdown passes. But even he, as a grizzled veteran, is not standing in the pocket. And that's that's danger zone for, for offenses. Listen, I, I just... Boomer, I, I know it's easy to say it. I, I think he's done. I think Seattle absolutely knew he was a ticking time bomb. It's why they didn't pay him. He, he's just, he's not the same guy. You know, here, here's the thing. I saw Aaron Rodgers do something that maybe he did a lot in Green Bay, but uh, there were two quick throws that he had, and both tackles were going down to cut the defensive lineman to get their hands down so he could throw these quick slants. And he gets hurt because he just doesn't throw it. There's guys open, and he doesn't throw the ball. Yeah. And then he has his Achilles rupture. It can happen to every quarterback. doesn't matter how long you've been around. Sometimes it just takes you a little bit longer to get into games and get into some sort of rhythm. Russell Wilson was in that rhythm in the first half, lost it in the second half. Aaron Rodgers was not confident to throw the ball on the first couple of snaps and ultimately you know, ruptured his Achilles, yep. which is amazing to me because it, he should have never been hurt on the play that he got hurt on. 
Hold it there. I got more to do later in the show with you. Picks coming up next. Rundown brought to you by the smoothest tequila on the planet, the family of Casamigos tequilas, Resposado, Añejo, Blanco, and the Mezcal. It's Casamigos tequila brought to you by those who drink it. Casamigos tequila reminds you to please celebrate responsibly.